Today, from our news team, Joss Whedon complaints are manifesting more clearly now. Mark Millar, Millar World on Netflix, showcases a maiden voyage, and a video game breaks the record for most expensive sale ever. This is the Culture Jack News Desk. This is the Culture Jack News Desk, your source for stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail. Now, before we get into the news, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is one of five regularly scheduled shows that we host every single week. Starting your week off on the right foot, we have Monday Madness with Anthony. On Thursday, we meet back here for the news desk, obviously. On Friday, Dustin hosts the Friday show. Tune in Saturday for on today's episode and then round out your weekend with the Weekend Wire on Sunday. Now, before we get into the news, uh, <laughs> I realize I've said that twice now. Before I get into the news proper, I just wanted to weigh in on some comments that Anthony made on the Monday Madness podcast. If you haven't seen that episode, after you're done here, go back and check it out because it was a great one. He lamented, and maybe not lamented is the right word, but he talked about how sometimes with some of these popular applications and games and movies that a person can feel late to the party. And part of that conversation talked about podcasts and specifically talked about this podcast. Were we, the Culture Jack podcast, late to the party, late to the podcast game? And just to give my own personal take on it, I don't think that we were late to the game at all. I don't think that if you truly love doing something, if you find it engages your mind and strengthens your spirit, then you are not at all wasting your time late to the party, of course, there will always be that fear of missing out. And then afterwards, have I missed out? Am I, am I lost? Did I make it? And I just don't think that we have that mindset here on this podcast. I think we're right in time. And I think you are right on time being here with us today. Okay, now that that little aside is out of the way, let's take a peek at the news. All right, in movie news, Justice League actor Ray Fisher finally elaborates on Joss Whedon and Warner Brothers' accusations. Now, this has been going on for months, but he opened up in an interview to THR. He said he didn't want to expose the identities of others who shared their stories with him and investig investigators. Uh, from the sounds of things, the early clashes arose from Whedon making major changes to Snyder's original script. It greatly reduced Cyborg's role in the story when reshoots were about to get underway. Fisher says he needed to explain some of the most basic points of what would have been offensive to the black community to Whedon, and he tried to give notes to avoid issues in terms of representation of the character. Apparently, Fisher had barely started to talk when the filmmaker cut him off, telling him you know, that it feels like I'm taking notes right now. And I don't take notes from anybody, not even Robert Downey Jr. Now, as an aside, 
I imagine with the kind of cash cow that RDJ has become to the MCU, any director worth his grain of salt would take at least some notes from Robert Downey Jr. So I think that was a little bit of a bluff, but I digress and continue. When Fisher took his grievances to Jeff Johns, he was told that they can't make Joss mad. Johns also said that it was problematic that Cyborg smiled only twice in the movie because top executives felt that they, quote, could not have an angry black man at the center of the film. The article also touches on Whedon's treatment of Gal Gadot, the infamous Booyah incident, and much more. Uh, Fisher says, I don't believe some of these people are fit for positions of leadership. I don't want them excommunicated from Hollywood, but I don't think they should be in charge of the hiring and firing of other people. If I can't get accountability, at least I can make people aware of who they're dealing with. So we've already seen the implications of this controversy take shape in the form of Ray Fisher's um, absolvement in his participation of the Flash movie. He is no longer, the cyborg character is no longer part of the Flash movie. And I can't say with any degree of certainty, but I would assume and I would guess that this kind of controversy is going to, at the very least, it's going to keep Joss Whedon uh, at bay from Warner Brothers and maybe anyone else in, in the movie industry, but it also is going to be damaging to Ray Fisher's uh opportunities in the industry as well it sounds like a lose 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 situation all around not to mention the blows that wb is going to take for this controversy as well and like we've said here on culture jack for a while we are going to take a deeper dive into this whole controversy at some point uh, in other Justice League Joss Whedon controversy news, like we said, uh, he threatened Gal Gadot's career and disparaged Wonder Woman's Patty Jenkins while she was on set. Uh, this is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Whedon clashed with all the stars in the movie, including Jeremy Irons' Alfred. However, Gal Gadot was extremely unhappy and ended up taking her complaints to the then chairman of Warner Brothers that she had concerns over Whedon's rewrites, including issues about her character being more aggressive than her character in Wonder Woman. She wanted to make the character flow from one movie to the next, a thing that, of course, all of us as fans want as well. We want co continuity between these movies. We want a seamless transition and a good, solid movie universe, whether it is the DCEU or the MCU or any other comic book or character universe that is out there. <clears throat> The article continues, when Whedon pushed Godot to film lines she wasn't on board with, he threatened to harm Godot's career and disparage Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins. One source even tells the trade that Joss was bragging that he's had it out with Gal. He told her he's the writer and she's going to shut up and say the lines and he can make her look incredibly stupid in this movie. Godot and Jenkins took their issues to uh, Kevin Tushihara, and it seems that it may have gone some way towards resolving the matter. In a statement, Godot says, I had my issues with Whedon and Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers handled it in a timely manner. She didn't say she had an issue with Warner Brothers, but with uh, Whedon. Uh, I also had heard at one point, and I can't remember where I heard it from, but there was a scene in the original Joss Whedon Justice League where the Flash, as goofy a character as he was designed for that movie, 
when he was in a super speed, he fell down and he fell into uh, Diana Prince of Wonder Woman's boobs. And then he got up really quick and it was a joke like, oh, I wasn't just in your boobs. And and uh, Wonder Woman just kind of shook it off like she didn't even realize that he had been there. And it was pointed out online that this is a tactic with Joss Whedon in maybe not the best or most tasteful way. But in the Avengers Age of Ultron, there was also a scene in which Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner in the fight scene in the Avengers HQ with those Ultron robots fell down into Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow's breasts and was like, oh, sorry. And she was like, don't worry about it or whatever. But it's funny if you can track a director's career with a very specific type of gag. And in this case, it's falling into a woman's boobs. The, 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 the thing that I heard as well with this Wonder Woman scene is that wasn't even uh, Gal Gadot who filmed that. Like, she refused to film that specific scene, and so her double had to be the one that Barry Allen fell into. So overall, it just seems like there were a lot of clashes with Joss Whedon, and to that end, we did not receive a very great Justice League at all back in 2017. In trailer news, we just got another trailer for the Loki series uh, coming out, I believe it is June 11th. It's June 11th or close to June 11th. Incredible. This looks so good. We got so much more interaction between Mobius and Mobius and Loki and the characters just witty banter back and forth. (laughs) Mobius says, I have studied your entire life, every every moment in your life, and you have literally stabbed people in the back over 50 times. And Loki says, I can change. (laughs) And it's funny. It's funny to watch this Loki. Because you have to put this Loki in the time, in the space, in the timeline in which he was taken from. Like, we all recognize Loki's character growth over all of the Thor movies and uh, through right up to the beginning of Infinity War where he, he was killed by Thanos, where he he basically redeemed his character and went after Thanos, even though he knew that that attempt would lead to his death. But that's not the Loki that we're getting. In this Loki series, in this Loki series, we are getting the Loki right after the uh, the end of uh, of the first Avengers movie back in 2012. The Loki that still believes himself to be in the right, the Loki that still wanted to conquer the world moments after he was captured. He was whisked away by the power of the Infinity Stone. And so now we have to we have to change that way of thinking that this is not the Mo- loki that we know now it is the loki that we knew then 9 years ago and so i think it's going to i mean as an actor like if you wanted a good character arc for your character well you got one but then if you really enjoyed playing that mischievous world conquering bad guy that is loki well you get you get that as well in other trailer news we've got michael b jordan uh, in Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, there's another trailer, the final trailer put out for uh, this one. I believe this comes out sometime this month, sometime in April. And the, the trailer, I hadn't seen this movie trailer before. I didn't know this movie existed. But Michael B. Jordan looks like an absolute beast in this. He is very, very strong looking man. Uh, <clears throat> so he's in a prison cell. It looks like a bunch of security guards come in to take him out. He floods the cell with water. 
I guess so he's slippery. I don't know what the thinking was behind that. Maybe the producers just wanted a moistened up <laughs> version of Michael B. Jordan fighting these security guards. But he beats them all and then, of course, is recruited by a government agency. There was a plot at one point to, I assume, kill him, but ended up killing his wife or girlfriend or some other uh, important person to him. And so he is out for revenge, but he cannot take up that case because that case is closed. But a government agency recruits him for another thing. And so he is out uh, out on a mission in this one. I'm very excited for it, actually. Now, I didn't know anything about it, but I uh, absolutely love Michael B. Jordan as an actor. And if, you know, some Internet rumors are to be believed, he will be back in Black Panther as well, uh, making a return as Killmonger. Although I think it would not be a good good move for the character because he had a very heroic death in the first Black Panther. Another trailer is out and this one's pretty funny. It was the first thing that we've seen. Well, maybe not the first thing we've seen, but it was a, a small clip from the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie where Paul Rudd's character meets the mini puffs uh, in a story. He sees this bag of marshmallows and then it's the same mini puff marshmallow man that was in the original Ghostbuster movie. Uh, Was it the original or was it the sequel? Might have been the second Ghostbuster movie. I I have not seen those ones in a long, long time. But they're very, very tiny and they're very adorable. And they comes out of the package and they're all smiling and happy. And then there's a bunch of them and they're putting each other like in chocolate on graham crackers and roasting each other. And then there's a couple of them that are skewered and he's smiling and happy and he's just like pulling himself along the skewer. Very, very funny. I'm actually very excited for this Ghostbusters film. In other movie trailer news, I think this is the last movie trailer news. You'll have to forgive me. We have a first trailer for Netflix's adaptation of Mark Miller and Frank Quietly's comet series, Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, so this one, it's got, man, it's got a pedigree behind it. Uh, just reading off from this article here, it says, with Daredevil Stephen S. DeKnight serving as showrunner, so on the original season, season one of Daredevil, I mean, he did great for that season. There's a lot of excitement surrounding this small screen adaptation of Mark Millar and Frank Quietly's adaptation of the hit image comic book. The cast includes names like Josh Duhamel, Ben Daniels, Leslie Bibb, Elena Kemporis, Andrew Horton, Mike Wade, Matt Lanter, and Ian Quinlan. It's clear from this preview that Jupiter's Legacy will stick pretty close to the comic series it's based on, and Netflix seems to have spent a lot of money on the first of its Miller World projects. So the synopsis reads as such, No Legacy Lives Forever. The first generation of superheroes have kept the world safe for nearly a century. Now their children must continue their legendary ideals. From the mind of Mark Millar, Jupiter's Legacy is streaming only on Netflix May 7th, 2021. Now this got me thinking, and I remembered like very vaguely something about this Mark Miller, Miller World projects going on with Netflix, but I looked it up. And from an article on July 17th, 2018, uh, it outlines the five projects that are going to premiere on Netflix. So there's two series that are going to be coming out. This one's the first one, Jupiter's Legacy. But we're also going to get one called American Jesus. This boy wakes up to realize that he is the reincarnation of Jesus. And then we're going to get three other movies, Empress, Huck, and Sharky the Bounty Hunter. So I'm very excited for these projects. 
anything with a supernatural bent, even if it is not a Marvel property or a DC property where I'm at least somewhat familiar with the characters is interesting to me. <clears throat> All right. Is everyone ready for a big controversy? Because the next big hashtag movement has hit the Internet. And it is the Falcon and Winter Soldier fans are asking Marvel Studios to hashtag release the Zemo cut. So <laughs> this one's actually really funny. After the Power Broker episode aired on Disney Plus, uh, Daniel Bruhl spoke with EW about his meme-tastic moment. According to Bruhl, not only was his dance completely improvised in the heat of the moment, but he danced much longer than the split second fans saw. Uh, he said... It's so hysterical. That moment was improvised. When I saw the crowd dancing, going loco, I just felt the beat. Like, Zemo has been sitting in a dodgy German prison cell for years, so he needs to let some of the steam and show his moves. Let's go for it, he told the magazine. He added, I enjoyed so much the reaction of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan looking at me. Still, I was 100% sure they were going to cut it out of the show. I was really surprised and happy that they kept it. It was a long dance. There's more to it, but they cut this little moment. I don't know what was happening. And then I received all these messages from my friends cracking up. My friends who knew me, well, know I'm an embarrassing, passionate dancer on the floor, but it would be different moves. It would be the Spanish side of me kicking in and doing some matador, some flamenco moves, going down on my knees. Highly embarrassing for my friends. So I think it's hilarious that they are asking for a release the Zemo cut of just his dance scene online. And if you're Disney and you're following this and you want to please the fans at the end of WandaVision, they had a behind the scenes featurette that talked about the making of WandaVision. It was very enjoyable. It was very fun learning about how they did all of the wire tricks and all of the special effects for the episodes. But if Disney does not end up releasing more of Zemo's dance moves on the behind the scenes featurette for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they are making a big mistake. I think I think that's something that we all need. Uh, many celebrities are throwing their support behind a online petition circulating to make LeVar Burton the new Jeopardy host. As we all know, Alex Trebek unfortunately passed away last year and a replacement has yet to be found, but LeVar Burton would make an excellent replacement. Uh, in delay news, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, is delayed again by one week. So that movie is now releasing on September 24th. And that's it for movie news. In gaming news, Apex Legends developer confirms a non-Battle Royale mode or modes are coming later this year. In a blog post from Respawn where it responds to some of the trending questions asked by the community, one of the questions was about the priorities for Apex Legends in 2021. Jason McCord, design director at Respawn, confirmed that players will have new ways to play, ways that extend beyond the typical Battle Royale format. He said, currently, Apex Legends is strictly a battle royale, right? But we've built these characters in this world, and I think players really want to be in, even if they don't love battle royales. Now, that's something we're focused on solving this year, other ways to play the game. Furthermore, according to the game director, Chad Greiner, private matches will finally come to Apex Legends 
quote, soon. Unfortunately, we don't have a specific release date for this just yet. We have a separate effort of that we're doing to make it go public. I do not have a timeline, but we're trying to make that go as quickly as possible, where we offer the private match feature available for anybody who plays Apex, he said. Uh, again, it's not as simple as turning that feature on and making it go public, Griner continued. There's some work in the back end we have to do to make it scale, but we're doing that work. It's hard to give dates, but we're hoping that sometime soon we'll have private matches across all platforms and you can play different games or you can organize your own events without having to ask us for a code and an official event happening. So yeah, stay tuned. Now, I for one am very excited about this change. I would love to see a arena style multiplayer come to Apex Legends, very similar to the arena games in say Halo or Quake or <laughs> I'm really dating myself talking about Quake on this podcast but I think having something where you get a chance to go out there fire your little guns and if you die you hit the respawn point first team to 50 points wins stuff like that especially with the way that the characters of Apex Legends are designed with their powers it would give people an opportunity to practice against real life opponents where they didn't have to wait another 10 minutes to queue up for another game in between deaths. They would come back, be able to practice a little bit more. In other gaming news, Xbox Global Publishing Rumor claims a big partnership is being worked on. So the claim comes from Windows Central reporter Jez Corden. As you can see in the tweet below, it's interesting to note the emote that Corden uses at the very end of the tweet, which some think could point to Sega or Ubisoft, potentially joining the Xbox Global Publishing lineup. So Sega has been a long time rumor for an Xbox or Microsoft acquisition. So please take this news with some grain of salt. Uh, so let's start with some, why some consider this to be a reference to Sega. As noted by Inverse, there have been persistent rumors of an acquisition of the Sonic Studio for quite some time, which were even dispelled by Xbox ahead of last year's Tokyo Game Show. Corden's tweet above uses a symbol that also bears a resemblance to the Dreamcast logo as well. And as for Ubisoft, you might recall at the very end of last year and early into January 2021, rumors were circulating that Ubisoft games could be coming to Xbox Game Pass in the near future. Corden actually jumped into this conversation in early January, adding that the rumors were likely true based on what he had heard. We're now into April, though, and the rumors haven't materialized into any Ubisoft games joining the Xbox subscription service. Furthermore, those rumors would also concern Game Pass, not the global publishing arm of Xbox. So Game Pass is a monster that is sucking up everything. We have seen EA join ranks with Game Pass, and not to mention this last week, last two weeks, we had Bethesda throw on a slate of 20 new games on to Game Pass. It's becoming quite a monster. In other gaming news, uh, public figure Jimmy Fallon played Among Us with streamers and the cast of Stranger Things in, a, in his Twitch debut. Uh, I think this is really funny and I'll tell you why in a moment, but first some information on the stream. It was about an hour long and it was this last Tuesday. It had a peak of about 125,000 viewers. Uh, he played with The Roots Band, uh, a couple of Stranger Thing actors, the streamers Saikuno, Valkyrie, and then the YouTuber Corpse Husband, 
who is an internet phenomenon all himself. People are very interested in who this man is and are obsessed with his very, very deep voice. And he also played with Inner Sloth's community director, Victoria Tran. Now, uh, she, of course, uh, and Inner Sloth, of course, is the developer for Among Us as well. Why I think this is funny, why I think this is hilarious is just no, no more than two or three years ago, there was this incredible pushback by old media against new media. News articles would be written focusing on any little uh, scandal involving an Internet personality as PewDiePie a YouTube celebrity has uh, thousands and thousands of hours of recorded video on the internet. And he has made a couple mistakes to be sure. And those mistakes were laser focused on by mainstream media outlets to maybe delegitimize the efforts of online personalities and online media resources. And as we've seen in those two or three years coming to today, we have seen more and more of a creep by mainstream media outlets to infiltrate the online space. If you look at the trendings tab for YouTube, you will see many, many mainstream authors and artists appear there as opposed to those grassroots internet personalities. Regardless, it was all for a good cause. They raised $17,000 for a charity called Feeding America. Fallon donated uh, the remaining amount to reach $25,000. So $25,000 for a good cause and what is no doubt good publicity. (laughs) I don't know why I had so much trouble with that. Good publicity for Jimmy Fallon. And in our uh, final bit of gaming news... Like I said, a video game has broken the record for highest grossing or uh, most expensive selling video game ever. And that is a sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers selling for $660,000. The previous record was $156,000, so it actually smashed that record by a long shot. Some details on the game. It was a sealed copy of the NES classic Super Mario Bros., um, and it sold at Heritage, Heritage Auctions on Friday, more than quadrupling the previous record for the most expensive game ever. Here is what makes the version of Mario Bros. so special, according to Heritage Auctions. <clears throat> Not only is it the finest plastic sealed copy with a perforated cardboard hand tag that we've ever offered of any black box title, It's also the oldest sealed copy of Super Mario Bros. we've ever had the opportunity to offer. This is only the fourth version of Super Mario Bros. ever produced. And its window of production was remarkably short. Just to paint a better picture of how short this really was, the nationwide release for the console came in the mid to late 1986. And Black Box Game distributed for that release did not have the Game Pack NES GP code. It's worth mentioning that the Nintendo managed to add the trademark symbol to the Nintendo Entertainment System on the game boxes by the beginning of 1987. That certainly doesn't leave much time at all for this variant to be produced in between the two. And I think it's very uh, interesting. I know Anthony on um, Monday Madness has talked in a couple of podcast episodes about comic book collection or... 
uh, trading card collection, baseball card collection, preservation, making sure that you find the right valuation for your particular collectible product that you have and making sure that you can sell it at a great rate. But there is an incredible market for older video games. I can't remember. I know the the sealed copies of games like this, like Mario Bros, go for a good deal of money. But I think uh, games like E.T., if you had an original copy of the E.T. video game, one of the most terribly, uh, <laughs> I guess, just rated and and terribly lauded video games in history. Well, I guess it wasn't lauded. It was <laughs> the opposite of that. It was shat upon. It was very bad. But if you have a copy of that, you also are potentially in the market for a few thousand dollars. But that is all I have for gaming news. All right. And so getting on to what I've been playing, I I've only really played one new game this week and it's not really a new game. It's an old game. I took took the the cue from Anthony, who had just begun playing Minecraft. I'm so glad he's into it right now. For a creative spirit like that man, Minecraft is a perfect outlet for some of that creativity. Now, I have played Minecraft for a long time. I really enjoyed it. I only recently got back into it, like I said, because of Anthony's inspiration on Monday, but also... I've been streaming a little bit with some characters from, I believe they're from Ohio, maybe from Iowa. Uh, they, they put out a, a blast on social media saying, hey, does anyone want to stream with us? I signed up and said, sure, I'd love to. And so I played a little bit with them and I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. There is something about Minecraft in not necessarily the crafting and the building, but in the mining in the terraforming as you as you cut down hills and trees and you make fields to to sow your oats in <laughs> and you you make make farms and practice a little bit of husbandry there that is just it's so relaxing there is almost a meditative yogi aspect to uh, to Minecraft that I think it's hard to get in other games. Now, I know you can have a grind in other games, but at least in this game, it always feels like it's very, very relaxing. So I haven't been, I haven't been playing very many things. However, I have been consuming some media that is not as interactive. I have been <clears throat> listening to a podcast called The Marvels Podcast. It's a wonderful podcast. In this podcast, it's it's like how I would imagine old school radio dramas were, where you'd listen to the detective and they'd shake the thing to make it sound like thunder, uh, and they'd, they'd do all the different sound effects, and that's what this is like. But in this, there is a couple of reporters trying to figure out, trying to solve a mystery when Galactus attacks New York City. But not all is as it seems, as J. Jonah Jameson publishes a report that Galactus never attacked. In fact, it was a hologram made by Reed Richards that ended up causing a lot of destruction and was only done as a publicity stunt to garner the favor of New Yorkers as they defeated this fake Galactus. And so these two reporters are trying to figure out what actually went on. 
and they interview people like people from the Fantastic Four. There's a Mutants for Peace rally that goes awry. Peter Parker even makes an appearance in the show. So it's an incredible listen. I'm only four or five episodes in, but I cannot wait to see what goes on with it. I also finished all of the episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen on HBO Max. Wonderful anime series. If you're into top-notch animation, not to mention a very fun storyline, you'll want to you'll want to pick up Jujutsu Kaisen and at least give it a try. I also started Demon Slayer on Netflix, another anime. I'm only two episodes in so far, but it looks wonderful as well. I started <laughs> Man, I feel like maybe I did nothing but watch TV on my time off this time. Uh, I started Q into the storm on HBO Max. Now, this is a documentary kind of hunting down to find out who who Q Anon is. Who is this mysterious Q person on the Internet? Again, I'm only two episodes into it, but it's very interesting documentary. Uh, and then uh, I I read manga. You may, you may be unsurprised to learn, but I read Japanese manga and I have finished the latest chapters, of course, of One Piece and Attack on Titan. Now, something interesting for Attack on Titan listeners or viewers or readers, fans of the show who also happen to be a fans of Attack on Titan, is that I was told recently that the author of Attack on Titan, Shinjiki no Kyojin, he said that the last chapter that he is going to publish here in a few days, unless it publishes today, it may come out today. If he publishes it uh, today or in a few days is not officially going to be canon for the story. He's going to retract that chapter because he said it was rushed. He said it was hurried and that is not how he wants his story to end because apparently it is the last chapter of the story of attack on Titan. And if you have not watched attack on Titan, it is seeing a little bit of a resurgence now in popular culture before when it came out four five, six years ago, or whenever the first season came out, uh, it was very popular for a minute, but it's faded from popularity, but it has since come back in a big way. And it seems like a lot of this younger generation has picked up on the hype about attack on titan so if you have not checked it out do yourself a favor it is absolutely not for children but it has some very mature themes and after the the third fourth season or later on the last three quarters of the manga well not the last three quarters the last quarter of the manga at least you will have yourself second guessing about who the heroes are and who the real villains are of the story because they might not be exactly as who they are uh, or as exactly as who they first appear to be. And so that's what I've been consuming in media. But other than that, that is it for the Culture Jack News Desk. Stay tuned tomorrow for the Friday show on today's episode on Saturday, the Weekend Wire and Monday Madness. Make sure you leave us a review on the streaming platform that you're listening to us on or get a hold of us at Culture Jack on Facebook or on Twitter. You can also send us an email, culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. I don't know why I said that so strangely. But thank you for joining us here at the Culture Jack News Desk. I'm Archimedes Abigail, and that's the news. And we'll see you next week.